Getting Louder, episode three, trauma, my experience with a SWAT team at 12. Trigger warning, this episode contains descriptions that some listeners might find disturbing. Welcome to Say It Again Louder, where I'm just a gal that overshares. It's cathartic for me and I hope it's helpful for you. So let's get started. In a previous episode, I had mentioned I had a SWAT team come to my house when I was 12. So we are going to talk about that experience. Really awkward. Not the funnest time in the world. So we're just going to get right into it. Um, I grew up really low income. I grew up with a lot of gang activity in my area and my family was involved with a lot of unsavory things. Um, this was, I guess, not out of the realm of possibility to happen in my lifetime. We did have a lot of police intervention that would come and go from the house, but it wasn't really ever this big of an event. So we'll start with a little bit of background before the SWAT team happened. About two weeks before this happened, my mom's car got stolen. And it was really confusing because the police, when she called, came to her and took the statement instead of her going to them. And they didn't really talk about the car. They only talked about who lived in the house. And at the time it was me, my mom, my stepdad, my sister who was incredibly pregnant. She must've been like seven or eight months pregnant and her boyfriend who was older than her. We also have two other siblings that are older, that, but they weren't living in the house. And they were asking questions about our siblings, they were asking questions about her boyfriend, they were asking like, when does he come? When does he leave? Does he work? Is he home at certain times? N- not things that would be considered like normal questioning for, you know, the car stolen. So they, they find the car a few blocks away a few days later. It wasn't that far away at all. So you just, they were just like, all right, cool. Car is there. Probably not going to find who stole it. Moving on with life. And then it was in May. So the springtime, so no snow on the ground. And it was dark out. It was probably eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night. And my bedroom used to be kind of ground floor. And I, I would, my bedroom window would look right into the yard. And I kept hearing loud noises and shouting and whatnot. So I looked out my bedroom window and my sister was standing there in her pajamas yelling at someone. And I had no idea what was going on. My sister's heavily pregnant at this point. I'm only 12. I have no idea what's happening in the world. And I was like, okay, what is happening? So I go to my mom's room, which is down the hall, and I knock on the door. And right away, she's ticked off at me for even disturbing her. How dare I disturb her? They're just watching TV, but you don't, you don't bother when that happens. I got screamed at for that. And I was, and she's like, well, what is it? What's going on? What's happening? And I was like, somebody has my sister. Somebody, something's going on. And she's, like, she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, there's something happening outside. Someone has my sister. She's like, well, I'll be there in a minute. Go check. And my stepdad, he was half cut by this time because he was an alcoholic. And he was like, whoa, what's going on? And just kind of off in his own world. So I went upstairs to go open the door. And the minute I opened the door, I had an assault rifle pointed at my head. So this is me, little 12-year-old kid with an assault rifle pointed at their head. I see my sister on the ground with a police officer, or with her facing down, a police officer standing with a boot on her back. 
I see other people, and they're all in black. So the only thing I'm seeing really is their eyes. So this guy that like had his gun at my head, all I can remember is his blue eyes. I still have nightmares about it to this day, is these vivid blue eyes. And they're yelling at me. My mom comes in from behind and starts screaming at everybody. There's people in black everywhere with guns. My stepdad walks out of the house and immediately assumes a position, gets down on his knees, hands behind his head. He knows the drill. It's not uncommon in my in that world. Uh, we used to live in this townhouse kind of cul-de-sac. So all of our neighbors were out. They had assault rifles, snipers up on this hill that used to overlook our house. There was, there was a lot of stuff going on, especially to take in when you're 12. Um, my mom's screaming at everyone. She's screaming at the police officer, has my sister on the ground with his foot in her back. She's like, she's pregnant. You need to get off of her right now. Flipping out. They're all trying to tell her to calm down. I'm just kind of standing there holding my dog, trying to figure everything out that's going on in life. And it came to be that what happened was this was all planned. The stealing of the car was planned so they could gain access to the house to talk about my sister's boyfriend and my other siblings because they were involved in assaults and robberies. They would lure people into alleyways, they would steal from them, and they would beat them. Uh, He ended up getting years in jail. One of my brothers went to jail for us, one of the friends went to jail, and I'm not sure if anyone else was prosecuted from this whole scenario. That same night, my sister's having panic attacks. She can't breathe. She has asthma. So we kept asking if we could go in and get her inhaler. They were like, nope, not until it's cleared, not until it's cleared. And they finally clear an area of the house and they allow me to go back into the house because I was deemed I wasn't going to do anything because I I was 12 and young. So apparently I'm fine to go back in. So they tell me where, she tells me where her inhaler is at her house, in her room. And I go in. to this room that was cleared and I go to find her inhaler and I open the drawer and there's a sawed off shotgun just sitting there hanging out which apparently the room has been cleared and they didn't find this gun it it was actually insane to me and that was something that they were looking for so I go back out I give her the inhaler and I was like hey I need to talk to you my mom flips out on me she screams at me everyone's yelling at me and I was like I really need to talk to you right now and she's like just she's like, no, shut up, like, fuck off, like, don't talk to me. So I'm just left there alone, by myself again, waiting. Go back in the house, she's like, go to fucking bed, just fuck off, go to bed. So I was like, okay, and then they were still dealing with the cops. After the cops left, I went back upstairs, and I was like, can I say something now? And she flips out on me again, and she's like, what? What can you possibly have to say? I was like, well, there's the gun that's still in Kristen's room. It's a sawed-off shotgun. And then my mom flips out on my sister. She had to call the cops back. They had to take it for evidence. It was a whole fucking thing. And again, the story, like basically what continued to happen throughout my entire childhood was, we're going to just sweep this under the rug. No one checked in on me. No one checked in on how I was doing. I didn't get any type of counseling after this. I was kind of left to my own devices. Being low income and already not the fan favorites of the neighborhood, I continued to not have any friends. Every parent warned their child to, they weren't allowed to play with me or be around me. So it was incredibly lonely and difficult time, especially in that preteen phase. 
I, what, like, I, I couldn't even have friends at school. I ended up getting bullied for this. It was, it was a nightmare. And it just, again, was swept under the rug. No one talked to anyone. It was pretend like it never happened. And that really sucked because it was a very big moment. It's something that still affects me to this day. I have nightmares, I have panic attacks over it. If I see a police officer or like a paddy wagon drive by, I get massive panic attacks. Even though I know I've done nothing wrong, I know I'm fine, I can't help but feel that way. I will avoid at all costs dealing with the police. I don't want anything to do with anything. So I like, even if I'm not feeling safe, I still won't call the police because I don't trust the system. So just kind of like, it just, it was a lot. It was a lot to handle. It was one of those defining moments in my childhood that, that I remember very vividly that I can't believe actually happened. It feels like it's a, it's a waking nightmare and it was very difficult to move on and it just kind of continued to happen, like that type of stuff. So it, you know, I, I wanted to change that for my child, my children. I wanted to change that for what they grew up with. So I made sure that when I left my situation, I left a lot of my family behind. I chose to not have them in my life. I made sure that my kids don't ever feel scared or worried or anything like that. And I made sure I'm not involved in anything that would be illegal, like not even speeding. I, I can't handle that type of stuff. I just try and do everything I can to break that cycle that I had lived through. And it, it sucks because you want to believe that people can be re rehabilitated and do better. But unfortunately with some of my family, they have proven that is not the case even 20 years later. So I just, I've kept them at a distance and they have their choices and I have mine. So this is one of those things that when you have scary stuff happen in your life, please don't sweep it under the rug. Please talk about it. Even if you don't feel like it's a big deal then, it might be a big deal later. And even if someone's saying it's not a big deal, maybe check in with them again. Maybe make sure that they actually are or are continuing to be okay. Because it's really easy when you've had to go through life and do things alone and survive to continue to feel like you have to survive alone. And it's really easy not to ask for help and it's really easy to not wanna look like you're weak and that you're stronger than that. So again, I really wanna encourage everyone to talk to their loved ones. And if you've gone through any sort of traumatic event in your life, I wanna encourage you to reach out for help and be there for people. And if you can't be there for people, have the resources on hand to give it to them. It's just, it's really important. These things can really stick with someone. And even if it's something that you, maybe it would have never affected you. Maybe you, you wouldn't even have a second thought about it. You never know what can affect another person and what they carry through for the rest of their life. So giving a little bit of kindness and understanding for people when they're having hard moments, because you never know, maybe they're having a flashback to something crazy like that happening in their life, but you don't see that. You don't see that internal struggle that they're having in their mind. So it's just, it's, I really want to encourage that. I want to encourage that kindness to continue and those talks to continue and people continuing to love and hold space for each other. And that, I think that's something that's really important. So that was my 
crazy story of one of the highlights of my childhood, which is the SWAT team came to my house when I was 12 and how I dealt with it and how I felt about it. And I want to thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time. Oh,